Welcome to the Impressive Digital Marketer Podcast. If you're a brand manager or a marketer, entrepreneur, or you're just interested in everything digital, listen up, because this podcast is for you. We're Impressive, a digital marketing agency in Melbourne. We've put together this podcast to cover some of the most current topics in digital marketing. Every two weeks, we'll be talking about subjects related to SEO, PPC, and Facebook advertising. Some of the industry's experts will be jumping in on the mic for each show with a different set of hosts every fortnight. This podcast is run by you, the listener. So reach out and tell us what you want us to talk about. All right, should we dive into the world of digital marketing? Hey, and welcome to the Impressive Digital Marketer podcast. My name's Caleb Wynn. I'm an account director here at Impressive. So welcome to episode five. Uh, this is the first one in, I guess, our client series. Um, so we've got one of our clients in today to have a chat. Cam, why don't you go ahead and introduce, introduce yourself? I am Cam Harris, founder of Winery Lane, and we've been working with Impressive Digital for about a year and a half. So Cam, let our listeners know, what is it exactly that Winery Lane does? Uh, so we're a e-commerce marketplace business for premium independent winemakers in Australia to sell direct to consumer and also corporate customers. In the market, how does Winery Lane differ from your other online wine retailers? I, I guess the core of how we differentiate ourselves is that we're a, a winemaker-driven platform. So we're not, we're not a deep discounter. We're not uh, searching for the, the cheapest wine that we can get. We work long-term with a range of great producers to collectively promote their brands and sell their wines um, and at the same time as providing a really good, great everyday consumer proposition. So how many wineries or producers do you have at the moment? Uh, we've got 16 on board at the moment with the 16th about to go live in about a week. Yeah, excellent. Uh, and winemaking is more of a, I guess, a traditional industry almost, you know, selling alcohol to people has got to be one of the oldest professions in the world. Mm-hmm. How do you find the industry is moving forward into the into the new digital space? I think it's been really led initially in the retail uh, space so that uh, a variety of players have moved from a, a traditional bricks and mortar offering into a into an e-commerce or digital offering. You, we've also seen uh, pure digital plays come up in the retail space. And because it's such a fragmented in- industry at the production sort of end in terms of in Australia alone, there's, a, there's about 3,000 individual wine businesses, each trying to carve out a, a space in the market and um, there's a real belief from wine producers that selling direct to consumer is a is a is a viable uh, proposition, and to do that, many of them have embraced digital channels as a as a retail arm to their their predominantly production based business as well. So it's 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 been driven from the the consumer backwards, if you like. And so I guess from a really a digital marketing perspective, which is I guess why most of our listeners will be tuning in. How does how does wine making and wine distribution partner up with digital marketing? I guess wine is inherently, it's a product where people have quite a, a romantic attachment to it. Um, it'll, for a lot of people, it's far more than just a commodity. They want to understand and know who's making their wine, where it comes from, what the provenance is, uh, and to know the people that are involved in that process and the stories they have to tell. The digital environment gives us a great platform to tell those stories and to be able to disseminate them in a economical way because traditionally very few winemakers and wine related businesses 
had been able to afford the traditional mass media kind of approach, whether it be TV or radio to tell their story, but whether it's a blog or a podcast, social media, uh, whatever you might have, it gives them a channel that they can directly target the people they want to speak to and tell those stories, tell them why their wine business is special and why the wines that they produce are special. I guess kind of on that too, how do how do Winery Lane get that message across from the from the 16 different wineries? They've all probably got different messages and different brands. Yep. How do you concatenate that into your brand? Okay, so the essence of the Winery Lane brand is is that we're a centralised place where you can come and hear all these different stories from the the 15 to 16 different winemakers we're working with at the moment. And in 12 months, we anticipate that's going to be 50 to 60 uh, different winemakers. So Winery winery Lane acts almost as a channel, if you like, for consumers and wineries to meet in the middle. Uh, we, we work with the wineries closely to help them to produce that content and that story and, and the messages that they can craft and get out to the consumers. And then Winery Lane becomes a constant touch point for a whole range of consumers and and wine lovers to come and hear this, hear a range of different stories from each of the individual winemakers and to explore the offers that are available in terms of the wines that we sell and as we'll get into in the next few months, events as well. Now, I was sort of talking to you a little bit earlier, I guess, about your target market. And whenever yep. I think about who you guys sell to, I always realistically imagine my dad. Yep. Now, my dad, uh, you know, older, older gentleman, and I know he does actually listen to this podcast. So, hi, dad. Um how how do you respond to that kind of that? How did, what marketing does your customer base best react to? Okay, well, it's, I think it's really important to understand who your kind of primary audience is and to tailor that message directly to them. So, yeah, when you when you talk about your dad, you're probably not not far wrong. Our our primary sort of bullseye consumer or persona in the digital marketing language is a forty five to fifty five year old male, white collar relatively high income, fairly high degree of sophistication around wine relative to the broader population, spends a significant amount of money on wine and would treat it as more than just consumption. If you ask that person, they would describe wine as one of their kind of core interests and hobbies. And then from from there, we we branch out into two other personas, which is a probably slightly younger female version of our core persona, Um, an independent professional woman, makes her own decisions, has her own money, um, perhaps not quite as geeky about wine as our primary uh, persona. And then our third persona is effectively our primary one, but 15, 15 to 20 years younger, so kind of mid-career establishing an interest in wine. And then may or may not develop over time into a full-blown obsession sort of geeky approach to wine. Um, so I think I think it's important when you craft any communication, whether it be traditional marketing or digital marketing, a Facebook ad or even a post, is to say, ask yourself, well, which one of our core audiences are we are we talking to, and craft the message accordingly. So, why are you talking to them? What's the content? How does that audience like to receive and perceive those messages? Interestingly, Facebook is now perceived to be an older person's medium, so that kind of works reasonably well with our with our core audience. So, uh, things like Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, other channels can be useful for outreach into those uh, those audiences. One question I want to find out is, so of your customer base, do you find they're using you to get like a, a you know a monthly subscription of wine? So they're going to get their favorite bottles delivered to them constantly or are they using you to discover new wines they never thought they'd try? Um, I, think, I think there's a little bit of both. Generally, the entrance that a customer or wine lover will have to Winery Lane is, is through an existing love and knowledge of a winery 
that they already have. Winery Lane's a great place where they can access that winery. And then from there, they branch out. So they'll say, for example, Emilia Park Cabernet Sauvignon, they love that wine, love that winery. So they've come in and bought a six pack or a dozen of that. Then, then on the site, they start looking and see perhaps initially some of the other great Margaret River producers we work with, like McHenry Hone and Ostella Bella, and then they branch out out from there. So that uh, uh, once you once you've established that relationship and that almost a level of trust between Winery Lane and that consumer, that they're then open to new things, open to to new uh, opportunities around wineries and wines that they may not have heard of or tried before. But if, if they've got a sufficient level of trust in Winery Lane, they're willing to go with us and to buy that wine and to and to taste it and to put it into their repertoire. And I suppose then to continue on from that, where do you sort of focus your marketing efforts? Is it on acquiring that new customer who's coming in to get the wine that they really want? Or is it about nurturing that customer and getting them to explore more and purchase right. through you more? Well, I guess at this stage, we're still fairly early in our journey. Uh, we're in a fairly competitive space. Um, and... Really, the key challenge in that space for new entrants is to build a a customer list of scale, if you like. So we're very much in customer acquisition mode. Uh, we have a unique customer acquisition model that we're just rolling out with all of our winery partners, where they we we we've effectively formed a, a collaborative type organisation where each of the wineries contribute to the customer acquisition model for the benefit of the broader group. But from there, it's it's really important to have that that conversion operating smoothly so that a name becomes more than a name that becomes somebody that that buys wine off you once and then twice three four five times a year uh, it's it's a hell of a lot easier to nurture and maintain an existing customer than to go out and find a new one from scratch any any industry really exists in its own ever-changing ecosystem but how do you see the wine industry and winemaking industry changing in the next five to ten years yeah, wine by nature is a agricultural product uh, the the lead times are very long. So uh, from the point you say we want to plant some vines to the point where you've got wine in a bottle ready to sell could be could be four or five years. So planting cycles are long and complex. Um, therefore, five to ten years is, is a relatively short period of time in the broader wine industry. The trends we're seeing at the moment is, um, and to, to understand the trends, I'll take you back, say, five to ten years in that uh, there was a period of time where Australia had a significant oversupply of wine, um, so we had a, a glut of grapes and, and, and wine in the system. Uh, the Aussie dollar was very high relative to the US dollar. The Chinese market hadn't quite taken off, and what was the original export market for Australian wine, which was the UK, had become heavily commoditized through reliance on supermarkets and wasn't a financially attractive market for Australian producers um, and was very tough to enter. Uh, we're now at a point where the Aussie dollars come back to 70, 75 cents US. Uh, the US market has recovered a lot from a, a range of things and the Chinese market has taken off big time as well as some of the other markets around Asia, Asia with that emerging kind of middle class phenomenon going on there and an aspiration to enjoy things that Westerners like and are perceived as sophisticated and wine consumption and and uh, wine appreciation is very high highly regarded in those markets so we've gone from that point where australia had a massive oversupply of wine to being much more in balance wine producers are now probably a lot more optimistic as a as an entire industry than they were five to ten years ago um and i think there's there's a level of buoyancy and an assumption that that we've just scratched the surface in terms of china 
But at the same time, it's still a really hard industry from a producer from a financial sense. So we've, we've talked about there being sort of roughly 3,000 wine businesses in Australia and on data available a few years ago, only 15% of those were at best breaking even and sort of less than sort of 10% were making a profit of any description. So it's it's a hard industry to, to get a quality return on the investment that you make. So I think there's going to be a lot of people looking to, to get that return that they've been looking for for the last 10, 15 years. And you'll see some new investment in the industry in the next, next five years or so. The Chinese not only enjoy wine appreciation, uh, there's a lot of prestige involved in owning wine-related businesses. So we're seeing Australian wineries and vineyards being bought by Chinese investors, which is kind of changing the dynamics a bit. So I think wine pricing at the retail level, so what does that mean for a consumer? Uh, super cheap wine is is going to become more and more a thing of the past. Depth of discounts on highly rated wines will become shallower and less frequent as wineries aren't forced to, to go to channels that are, I guess, in essence, clearance clearance channels where you get 50 60 percent off what would be the normal price of the wine um so it's it's really interesting sort of time in the wine industry five or ten years we could go completely the other way the dollar could do the wrong thing uh, the chinese market can be very fickle we've seen with just a few things going on lately that uh, wine's being held up at the border as a sort of a pawn in uh, intergovernmental disputes but if those things can be overcome yeah, there's, there probably is significant upside for the for the Australian wine industry selling into China, which is going to going to mean that the Australian wine consumer locally is going to pay more for all the wine that they currently buy. I think for Winery Lane being uh, you know an e-commerce store, it really lends itself to digital and digital marketing. But do you think it's the is digital marketing the kind of channel that every business needs to be in? And as a follow up question. Is there any business or industry that shouldn't be advertising digitally? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, uh, certainly the wine industry, whilst I said earlier, it started at the consumer. We're now seeing digital platforms emerging right back to sort of uh, the core level. So, uh, for example, there's a, a digital bulk wine platform that allows wine growers and large-scale wine buyers from supermarkets, et cetera, around the world to trade wine in the same way that they trade other agricultural commodities. Um, so it is wherever there's an opportunity, I guess, for efficiency in a supply supply chain and improved communication and transparency between a buyer and a seller, yeah, digital channels are going to work. Whether that means every industry needs to be there, I'm, I'm not completely sure. Um, but if you're consumer-facing, if you're relying on, certainly if you're relying on a digital platform to sell your product, if you're not marketing in a digital space, you, you're probably not going to survive too long. And just on the second part, the, uh, the answer I was looking for for anyone that shouldn't be advertising digitally? Shouldn't be advertising digitally. Uh, off the top of my head, who could I think of that shouldn't be advertising digitally? Um, not many. Not yeah. many. I was um, looking for uh, Amish builders. Amish um, builders? Yeah. I don't think that's much of a platform for them. Yep. Um, all right, so look, wine making uh, is really a passion industry uh, yes. and people don't really get into it for the money whilst I'm sure there's plenty going around. Tell us about, I guess, the story of Winery Lane, who's involved and how, you know what's happened since startup to now. All right, so Winery Lane, really the genesis goes back about two and a half years in a pub sharing a few drinks with my co-founder Steve or Mobsy as he's widely known, was I've, I've worked in the, the wine and alcohol industry for the best part of 20 years. 
it was an idea I had kicking around my head having walked a mile in the shoes of wine growers and wine sellers that yes, we all want to build direct-to-consumer sales channels, but actually on a standalone basis with limited resource, it's quite difficult. Uh, so I said, well, how could we build an aggregator for this type of activity that helps 50, 60 great Australian wineries come together and do a better, more efficient job as a collective rather than 50 individual parts? Pitched that to Mobsy one night over a few drinks. He liked it. A few days later, he called called me back and said, well, I haven't had a drink today, but I still think it's a good idea. Do you want to do it? So we, we kind of took the plunge and did it, probably naively in a sense, because I think you would generously describe us as digital novices at the time that we started the business. So I could see very clearly the the commercial proposition and the problem it was solving for wineries um, and the consumer appeal to it. But the challenge was understanding how to pull all those parts together. So, so really having to speak to people that knew more about it more about it than us and learn wherever we could as to how to put those parts together in an efficient and effective way so finding the right people and partners to work with has been critical undoubtedly we've made some mistakes along the way burned some cash doing it but we're getting there and and uh, certainly where we are now is hugely advanced from say where we were 18 months ago just after we launched Excellent. Good stuff. That's probably all we've got about time for. Thank you so much, Cam. We'll definitely have to have you on again because it's such an interesting story of winery lane and the wine industry. Happy to come in anytime. Thanks for listening to episode five. Once you've uh, had a listen and you know collected your thoughts because it's been quite an interesting one, uh, would love it if you could leave us a, a subscribe uh, and even a five-star rating. Um, and if you do, I'll give you a digital high five. Thanks and tune in for the next episode. Thank mm-hmm. you.